0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Bottomless Coffee. I am Jerome. I am definitely a caffeinated host today. And I'm really excited to talk about political activism and about um, anti-hate work in the political sphere. Now, I think as I mentioned, maybe last episode or the episode before, we are still continuing to push production boundaries here at Bottomless Coffee. And... Um, Last episode, we had a single live audience member um, in the background. Today, we are uh, having a conversation across an ocean for the first time, which is exciting. In fact, there are a lot of firsts with our guests. Um, First person to reach out and ask for a conversation. First person to suggest that uh, a different uh, guest host who will be interviewing next conversation... And uh, I'm just, I'm really excited. Our Dahlia Grinfeld, how are you today?
1: Hello. I'm also caffeinated. My double espresso is already empty, and I'm really <laughs> excited for this conversation across the pod, yes. uh, Pond pod, both, Pond and both. pod. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um,
0: so we spoke just a little bit before we started recording, and so we've got just a general idea of each other's. of political past um but and i apologize to everyone out there uh, i did not realize that these questions were going to be such softballs and so we may get deeper on some questions we may not um but we're you're one of the first people that i've interviewed where we don't have a pre-existing relationship um and as a control freak I think this will be a really fun exercise for me to not have all of the answers to the questions ahead of time and what have you. Um, but let's talk about, let's just talk a little bit about political activism. Um, so I love your work as you described it to me and as you're gonna describe it to everyone um, in a little bit. I have been just kind of, uh, I, I was kind of working back through my early political activism, right? and. Uh, as a casual, as a gay man who's casually involved, right? For me, I think it was when uh, the issue really hit close to home and when the protest was like outside of my house, that's when, <laughs> that's when I would be involved. So I remember in America's conversation on marriage equality, uh, we would all meet at my house, we would make mimosas, we put them in a thermos you know we take our signs and we go out <laughs> it was yeah. like a, a protest in lieu of brunch for us at that time um we've gotten a little bit more serious uh af- and after a, a series of school shootings i remember going out um with no mimosas but with signs uh for gun restrictions um, we certainly protested on behalf of encaged immigrants protested on behalf of climate change and um you know just to go from the beginning to a recent history of course i ran for office on a platform that highlighted racial discrimination um so that so now you are up to speed on my story (laughs) what is your early experience with um political activism
1: So my political activism journey started rather early by accident or just kind of by nature. Mm -hmm. I was in high school and I was just interested in the two pillars of my life. I'm Jewish myself and I'm also really political. And I've joined a political or youth political party when I was 14 because that's the age you're allowed to in Germany where I'm based Uh and where I live. Um, So the day I turned 14, the day after I joined a political party, I was really active in in Jewish communal life, and that's on the activist side, and also youth work, and I started to combine these two rather early on. In the Jewish high school, which at that time was the only Jewish high school in Germany, um, I was was the head of, of the student council there, and I started making campaigns about issues that I cared about and my peers cared about, and that was not a... I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a goal necessarily. I just mm-hmm. knew it was something I want to do, and this is important to me next to hobbies mm-hmm. and schoolwork. So really, I started out because I care, and I think that's the key to my political activism journey: is because I care, and that's the reason I go on. is Is the care from from the bottom of, uh, of the coffee, but also from the ground <laughs> on, <laughs> on theme, but also in general. So. Um, after that, I moved to, uh, oh, to wait wait,
0: wait, I- can I interrupt yeah. you for one second? Just regarding yeah. caring. I remember in um episode three, I spoke with someone on political ideology who, as at an early age, was first an American Republican and then a libertarian. And then he kind of realized that he needed to care about other people. And that Ooh. really informed his political ideology. And so did you do you feel as though you came out of the womb? Really caring for other people? Have you always just been like a kind of empathic, empathetic person? Or was there a moment in your life where you were like, oh, no, caring is important. (laughs) I should do that.
1: I wonder if I'm the right person to uh, to answer, or if oh. other people around me should answer this oh, sure. um, about me. But I would I think it's really something that has always been with me. I can I started my first big the first event actually I organized was in sixth grade, and I have a goodbye party for oh, all yes. of our entire grade before we go off to a different school system because we changed then. So I yeah, think it was always yeah. um in in within me and I also think the story of my family. So hmm. um I, as I said I'm Jewish myself but I have a migration what we call migration background in Germany meaning my dad is from uh, from Argentina and my mom is from the former Soviet Union and I have uh, my own family was persecuted by the Nazis mm. and the Holocaust the Shoah, and there's a lot there has been a lot of movement Uh, migration from A to B to C all the way around. And by that also not always having the privilege to vote, to go to school, to to do what you want, to say what you want. And I'm the generation born in the 90s in Germany, in unified Germany, in a democratic Germany, having the opportunity to vote, to say what I want, to be what I want, to do what I want. And I always, I remember... I love voting. I'm, I'm uh, this year in Germany there's national elections and I'm so excited. I almost can't sleep. I remember the first time I was allowed to vote when I was 16 on a local election. Hmm. It was something ridiculous about like some garden garden changes in my <laughs> local but and I I woke up really early and I hate waking up early. Oh, okay. And- really excited like mom we can vote today and she's like what do you mean the elections are not for like months what are you talking about oh, no. and I made her go vote because I thought it's so important and I, I read all the newspaper articles about it and yeah. I got informed and was really into the voting process and I remember the conversation about voting uh, with my family that a lot of our my Family members weren't allowed to vote in their life, mm. right? Because they were persecuted even in the former Soviet Union because they were Jewish, yeah. um, and that's something that I do think has is part of my story. That I want to use the rights, that democratic rights that I have, to influence and Im- have impact, do good, do well, and um, really impact a broader society. And that starts always by yourself. I do think setting, saying saying. Being a political activist and say, like, go on the street and demonstrate or do this or sign this petition. If you haven't signed the petition yourself, like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. What, that's not real. Like, you you have to sign your own petition or whatever you do first and set an example for others. And I, I also believe that it starts very small. Being a political activist doesn't mean that 24-7 you're on the street not eating, not sleeping. Being a political activist means that you have issues that you care about, political or societal or health, whatever it is. But... Topics that you care about that you wanna broaden other people's horizons about, or you wanna change a policy, or even something small—you just want people to inform themselves about yeah. it. And by yeah, that's kind of I think where I started—is not am um, saying this is the top ten things I wanna change in the world in my life. It's really not where I started. Maybe I have them now, but uh, is by doing what I think is right because of the topics that interest me. And that was very early on because I lived um, as an openly Jewish person in Germany, hmm. which is funny because I know in the U.S. context, the sentence doesn't make sense, but a lot of Jews in Germany are not really comfortable with their Jewish identity because there's still a lot of anti-Semitism, a rise in anti-Semitism also, and an uninformedness about Jews in Germany. Wow, so still people, to this
0: day, that is, yeah, people don't know that is know surprising.
1: That. Exactly. So in the U.S. you have Seinfeld and, and friends and all kinds of um, I would say TV shows, but also in general, people know things about Jews. They say happy Hanukkah, people know what yeah. that means. In Germany, oh, you're it's- kidding. Oh, no, I'm not. Like, in Europe, think about the amount of Jews that live in Europe compared to the US or New York, and then think about the representation. Jewish life in Germany specifically, but also in Europe, only restarted after the Shoah, after the Holocaust, mm-hmm. and then you have a big gap, and then you have a very small, there was the huge six million Jews persecuted and even more persecuted, but six million people not there anymore, literally murdered. Okay. So. You have a lot of people missing as part of the society, and then rebuilding the Jewish identity took time. Yeah. And that's why um, I do think there's a there's a gap where we know today, and um, one of the big claims of the Jewish community is starting to be that Jews are not only viewed as black and white in history books, uh, mm-hmm. as part of the Shoah, anti-Semitism in the newspapers, or Israel-Palestine conflict in the media. And those are really the three themes where Jewish life is, is focused on in Germany. That's why people don't know much about Jews in Germany. And fun fact, 2021, this year, is 1,700 years of Jewish life in Germany. So it's a celebratory year, um, where we hope to set also the example that we need to, in education, for example, we need people to understand that's not only jews it really comes to all different marginalized communities um, that we need to understand jewish life jewish values jewish traditions we also need to understand bipoc realities we need to understand understand lgbtq realities what it means to be lgbtq queer trans whatever you call yourself but in order to em- empathize with that in order to understand uh, what other life realities are and that it's normal and it's part of our society so um
0: that's really I feel as though I feel as we went from um, early life to kind of what you're doing now to where your your passions yeah. are, what you're organizing around. But the only event that you actually mentioned that you um, that you put on, and I know you put on more, you've done more, is the one in sixth grade. I think you said <laughs> that was a go, That was a goodbye party. Continue to take us from that sixth grade uh, event to get us to where you are as this passionate. Person and informed, right? And I think that's a big difference. A lot of us can be really passionate on a lot of issues and just not realize how uninformed we are. And so I'm 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 genuinely interested in learning to how you got I, to where you are.
1: I'll do it shorter this time. Oh, we'll see. When storyline, <laughs> was, I was involved in local Jewish student activism and university, and it was building up a local Jewish student union. And from that, I realized there's no national union, and I was had the two pillars: political activism, Jewish activism. Wanted to combine them a bit broader and bigger, and had a group of people who were interested in the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so we st- we founded the Jewish Student Union in Germany. So five years ago, there was the first national organization to politically, but internally and externally represent 25,000 young Jews in Germany, and I was elected as president there. And for two years, I built up this organization and then really started this voice of young jewish people in germany to give them a voice to give us a voice and to empower ones and that led me and at the same time i was working in politics in brussels in the eu and had really i integration migration and education as topics and at the student union it was interesting because i was interested obviously in fighting anti-semitism and hate and all kinds of important issues to jews but i also said very important the other items LGBTIQ inclusion yeah. women empowerment and such issues to the US of course sure but in germany that was the, especially in the jewish sector was the first organization that touched up on this issue if there was not a mention of women empowerment before publicly in within this jewish world so wow. and to me i wanted this jewish young voice also to represent the new trends the new topics and to, for the young generation to be empowered to take part in Jewish community life, but also in the political world. Because to date, there's not a publicly uh, elected uh, member of parliament that is Jewish since oh, the- Oh, you're kidding. World. Yes, there has <laughs> oh not gosh. been anyone yet. So that that said, um, the two, after this national Jewish student union that I built, I kind of stumbled into um, realizing that I really would like to do and both combined political work and Jewish activism, political Jewish activism together. That's why today, I think the topic for me, Jewish political activism covers it. And I got to learn a lot about different Jewish and anti-hate organizations in my time in my student union activism. Mm -hmm. And ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, where I professionally am right now and love to work at, um, as the Assistant Director of European Affairs, was a place that I remember, that's a major moment, other major moment, at a conference. Um, it was the Never Is Now conference by ADL, and in December in 2018, and I was invited to speak as part of the student programming as a representative. Yeah. And I remember sitting in the audience, and uh, even now, ADL CEO Jonathan Greenblatt speaking, and he spoke from a Jewish civil rights organization that has 25 offices in the U.S. and mm-hmm. multiple inter- in an international affairs team, and he spoke about the work of ADL fighting anti-semitism and fighting hate, to stop the defamation of the Jewish people and to secure justice and fair treatment to all. And for such a long time in my student union activism, I said in different words, but I said the same, me as a Jewish person, yes. I want to fight anti-semitism, but I also believe deeply that we cannot just fight anti-semitism, we have to fight all kinds of hate. And we have to get our really our efforts together in order to do that. And. In Europe, I will honestly say, a lot of people didn't resonate with that. Like, why would you want to do this? Huh. What What for? Yeah, because we're a bit, like, it's not the same con- context that we have here. And I felt so seen and heard in this moment. I remember I was sitting this in, in there in the audience and thought, huh, wow, okay. I'm not crazy. It's, right. really, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, that was the moment I knew that ADL is a special organization. And that's why I was really happy to join uh, almost two years ago soon, um at uh, at at ADl and i'm part I'm based in Berlin for ADL yes. as a representative and work really with my colleagues about uh, empowering Jewish communities, p- uh, supporting them in terms of anti-Semitism, anti semitic incidents, but also polling about anti-Semitic attitudes, the Global One Hundred study we do. Um, and in general, then, mostly what I'm responsible for is programs. So what ADL does yeah. since over a hundred years is a lot of pro- great programming on anti-hate, anti-bias education, anti-racism, anti-Semitism, all kinds of these kinds of programs. And they're great and we're translating them, adapting them and offering them together with our partners on the ground. We're offering them to the Jewish, but also non-Jewish world in order to achieve this global mission of ADL. So uh, that's, that's the broad um, <laughs> Thank story. Thank you, now. You, took, you did it. <laughs> you brought us to the present. And there was a,
0: there was a moment in there uh, that really resonated with me, and it was a funny moment, um, when you said, oh, I'm not crazy, because when you were, um, so you, you kind of took us on a little bit of a journey, 1,700 years of, of Jewish people living in Germany, um, but because of really horrific events, it's almost as though you have to rebuild your footprint and your place in society, and so there are a lot of opportunities for firsts um, for you, and when you are kind of that torchbearer and you're you're seeing problems in front of you that people haven't addressed you're you're like am i making these problems up how could people how could these have existed for so long and no one has done anything about them and i have been there feeling crazy and it is really nice have when someone else me? is like yes when someone else just acknowledges that they see these problems too, it uh, it really does make a world of difference. Um, and I see you making notes. So if we need to come back to something, let me know. Um, but I do want to know now in the present how you how you're measuring success, given um your professional background and your history as what sounds like an, a real organizer, a real political organizer. Um. How are you, are you? Is it minds changed for you? You mentioned some firsts, like maybe uh, getting someone in parliament might be on your your list of things to do. Um, what what makes you feel as though you are taking those steps forward?
1: That is such a good question and a constant question in political activism. There's a, a sentence that you probably also know: "Moving the needle."
0: Yes, and yes.
1: Due <laughs> to me, as I'm not a native English speaker and this sentence of, or the idea, the concept of moving the needle is really what a lot of political activism means, is we can't change the world in a day, and also not in 10 days and not in 100, but Mm -hmm. we can move the needle. Um, So what we do at ADL, uh, but also in general, is collecting our wins because there's so much, there's in political activism, I think there, you need to be aware there's a lot of defeat and there's a lot of slow movement, and sometimes it's frustrating. And especially I'm a rather fat, high pipe, Fast-paced person, I would like to have outcomes very soon. And I want to do a campaign, and I want the policy change tomorrow. And then I want the education system to apply it, and then the law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And, I would, and I would like to do this all in 2021 because, of course, <laughs> why not? It should be possible. Why not? What's um, the problem here? Yeah, like, I don't. I can. I can. Here's some coffee. Get to I work. See, yeah, I can see how this works, uh, but that's not often the reality. So, um, I think collecting, understanding where your wins are, is important to to move forward and, and to recognize it. Um, how we do it is we have a lot of measurements so on the mm. one hand when our the Jewish communities we serve uh, because we do we don't serve ourselves we serve the Jewish communities of uh, me specifically also Europe and um, and often they come back with appreciation and that's a that's a perfect measure for example yeah. the Danish Jewish community and very recently had an issue with the ban of um, circumcision okay. and that is the the ritual Jewish circumcision Brit Milah is a very important Jewish ritual for men or for boys at eight years old eight sorry eight days old. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, that was a that was a misspoken okay. word. But this this Jewish ritual is really important for being part of Jewish life and it's a basic. And that was a, an an attempt by by Parliament to outlaw it, meaning mm. us as a really. institution that covers these items for Jewish communities reached out to us and we were able to support them in this matter and Mm. the appreciation that comes back for thank you for supporting us and building together whatever campaign and whatever uh, behind the scenes and letters and all all what ADL does in such a moment is is exactly what where you see measurement of success is uh, the appreciation other ones are definitely um, I mean similar to that evaluation so when you do programs you have evaluations and you see Ah, uh, people responding to the evaluation with, "I can use these skills now to do ABC, or I'm thankful that I participated because I'm able to do whatever it is afterwards. So um that's that's one. And then obviously, if really po- policy wise, if there's uh, policy changes, then that's a big one. Last year, uh, one of my uh, smaller, but smaller but also major wins was um, a policy that I was uh, part was able to change. Within the Berlin Senate, so federal state uh-huh. Berlin, cool. um, a lot of education system, a lot of our police and education and other things are federal state laws, not national law, and that means you need to go through all sixteen German federal states to change it all around. Oh, yes, yeah, it's a bit, it's a, it's a bit of a hassle, but it works. And one of the um, there's a new anti-discrimination law in the federal state of Berlin, but this anti-discrimination law didn't include anti-Semitism because the people who wrote it, none of them. I think they're all against anti-Semitism, no. but they were like, okay, anti-racism, anti-hate, that works, like, that probably includes everyone, but it doesn't, because anti-racism hmm. because racism and anti-Semitism <laughs> is both important and both an issue, but it's not the same.
0: And they stated so, racism, but did not say yeah, anti-Semitism.
1: exactly. Feminism. They stated okay. specific uh, specific forms of hate, and anti-Semitism <laughs> wasn't part of that. And actually, it was a bit of a struggle to get it in there, hmm. you need, because the the people in in parliament and in, low in this in federal state parliament didn't realize why this is relevant so I'm part of the um, Berlin Senate expert circle on anti-semitism and within this expert circle we got together and really formulated a letter to the heads of parties and really made them listen to why this is relevant to put in there and at the end it worked and it's fine and it's already in law and that means that by law you are now able to quote this law if you've been discriminated against as a Jewish person for a specific reasons. So that is, Wonderful. it sounds a bit small, but at the end of the day, it makes a big difference because otherwise mm-hmm. there's no way for a Jewish person to say, I'm, I mean, obviously for other, there's other laws outlawing antisemitism, but for this specific law, there wasn't another reason, there wasn't another option to do so. And this will be rec- replicated by other 15 states. Wonderful. Um, yeah. So that, Wonderful. that's, that's, a, I think that's one of those like. Moments where you're like, okay, policy change, policy yes. change. Yes.
0: <laughs> Even as you're describing it, I can see you're like sitting up a little straighter, you're smiling, you're very proud of it. Uh, <laughs> I'm proud of you for it. Um, that's beautiful. Let's take a quick coffee break. <laughs> Maybe not for you. <laughs> I'm
1: jazzed already.
0: <laughs> we'll be right back. We are back with Dahlia Grinfeld. Uh, we are talking political activism, anti-hate, organization, um, and just for the benefit of everyone listening, how do you pronounce your last name?
1: So, in different languages, I say it differently. Yeah. Uh, in English, Dahlia Grinfeld is absolutely right and fine. I listen to all kinds of names at this point. Um, in German, I would say Dahlia Grinfeld, uh, and then depending on language. Uh, it's a bit different but I, I if it sounds close I usually turn my head and it's like
0: oh yes that's okay. <laughs> I um, you know that's a question that I've grown to ask people because you kind of assume that you know how to say someone's name um, but a couple of episodes ago I said someone's name incorrectly for an hour and then at the very end they corrected me and I was like Cal come on <laughs> You know, an an hour, hour of
1: conversation. conversation. Part of inclusivity. Yes, add, like, I, agree. A person, I, I It's not a problem if you. I don't know how to pronounce your name or your pronoun. What are your pronouns? I don't think there's. It's not a pro. It's not a negative thing. It's an inclusive way of interacting. So I yeah. think that's. Great well, what I are
0: your pronouns, Talia? She/her. I'm he/his. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, I think that is uh, that covers uh, my risk of having made uh, incorrect assumptions. <laughs> So I feel good.
1: The anti-bias work for today.
0: Yes, yes. Well, you know what? It's a journey. And every day is a little bit more. And we'll see what future conversations will bring in that arena. Maybe you can come back um, and we can talk more on it. That could be fun.
1: That would be great. When Uh, Your presidential speech, I'll come back.
0: Hey, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit more about these... uh, these non-governmental organizations that you've built over time and specifically the intersection between NGOs and political activism. Um, so as I kind of mentioned near the top of the conversation, I was chair of my um, neighborhood association, um, while also running a campaign. And that was a fun line to walk because that was, uh, a one three c oh, you don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> oh, you do, but um, no one else would really. The, it was a nonprofit. And nonprofits are gen- in America are generally not supposed to get involved in political activism. And so I received letters saying, you know, you can't do both, though of course you can. Um, and I just wonder for you, um, have you, almost exclusively built organizations that can be involved politically? Or um, how has that experience looked for you?
1: So in general, we don't have this distinction in Germany okay. and or Europe in this way. That's nice. um, so you need an NGO status to be an NGO and get the tax benefits for an NGO um, and to receive donations and stuff like that. Uh, but you can still be politically active uh, on, on various issues. Hmm. Uh, I don't know of any problem with that. It, it's it, it, as long as it's not against the law or against the constitution or something. That's solely within the realms. Yeah. Um, my the way I started to build NGOs is really, and looking back now, I wasn't as, at eighteen, nineteen years old. I wasn't strategically thinking like I'm building the local right. union with this specific strategy in this goal, but I was just doing it and looking back and it's still what I do is need-based. I have a need-based approach. Hmm. So because my peers and myself, honestly, also, I was my my group that I wanted to engage with myself and my peers. Mm -hmm. And I looked from what are the needs of our community, the community that I want to serve. And so I started to build around that. And the the same with another organization that I built is the Jewish lgbtiq organization in germany called keshet germany Uh, keshet is a rainbow in hebrew and uh, that organization we also built from the needs of lgbtiq jewish people in germany and from this need assumption need assessment you go to the what are the goals what are the um what is the entire model of, of where to go from here so that's i think one of the baselines um to build an organization and then to stay in political activism not every organization needs it. Uh, I do think there's uh, great organizations of like painting together and, and yeah. pottery, and I don't know what, and it's great, and it, that's is also an NGO, and that's a community, and it, it comes together. And who knows? Sometimes they develop an interest for actually, oh, there's a common political interest that we wanna want to address. For example, volunteer like tax benefits for volunteers at organizations. Happened mm-hmm. before, I know someone who was literally in a pottery class. And and they got together within NGO around pottery, and then wanted to do some activism about volunteers being recognized for their right. activism in Texas. It's it's amazing. It's so smart. So that developed. I do think most NGOs have an agenda in terms of society, politics, and action, and that's what people what brings people together. Also, the wish the and that's the other part that I always do um is, is the vision mission process. So always when you build an organization, to start out by having not only having a vision, but building a shared vision with your peers, with the people you want to address, with the people okay. you want to involve, with that vision and then a mission, objectives, and all really the, this Vimosa process. And it takes time, but I yes. think for people who <laughs> want to build NGOs, Look at the v- VMOSA uh, process. I think it's the most valuable tool to start an organization because you always think, and I don't know if you have this experience, but oh yeah, we know what we want. But once you mm-hmm. really want to formulate the vision, suddenly there's different ideas of what this vision should be. Um, really in 10, 20 years ahead, at 50 for, uh, in that sense, with all resources, it looks different for different people. So finding yeah. common ground um, makes a big difference. And from there, I think once you have the shared vision and a mission statement and objectives and things and down bottom line to an action plan for the year, um, you know what you're doing and then you can check back, yes. right? So when you have an action plan at the end of, of this process, um, you know if that your action plan resonates with the vision and you work towards the vision and I think regular check-ins with yourself but also with your peers and and your fellow board members or or trainees or whoever is part of your organization checking in about this vision about the status of of certain projects is important um and reassessing also sometimes the vision needs to change yeah Uh, and lastly really i last i would say being part of an organization should also be fun so yes i agree, uh, <laughs> I agree. Just about how it work it is like it is i my my motto often is if you sit down and do it something will come out of it because usually at a great organization or even not even great also good organizations mm-hmm. if you sit down and do something and you say i'm writing an article i'm reading about this you'll come and I'm, I'm meeting with this person and i want something will will come out of it but also besides the hard work that you have to put in for great outcomes it should be fun and you should have fun with your friends or your peers or colleagues or whoever is part of your organization and address the issues together. So, um, having a certain amount of, uh, looseness, I also think within NGOs, because it's not our, in, in especially in activism where it's not a full-time job. I think that's helpful.
0: I agree with you and there, okay, there's a little, well, there's a lot to unpack there. We could totally do. I, there are probably full podcasts around like, creating a vision, creating an NGO and what have you. Personally, I um, understand very much the need for that strategic vision when engaging with um, your community or um, when creating an organization. And that is one of the reasons why the organizations that I personally get the most fulfillment from are like very small, because (laughs) (laughs) it, it, it can be a lengthy process when the people who are involved don't know or can't articulate quite yet um, their needs and what they want to get out of the organization whereas if you have been involved in creating organizations for a longer period of time um from the get-go you understand that there there is that checklist of Mm -hmm. things that you really all need to come to a common agreement on um, Mm -hmm. in order for the organization to be successful in order and in order to make sure that you're having fun while moving the needle or doing the work. But um, to people out there who are just getting started, um, if it's just you, um, you can have an idea in your head about what you want to get out of it. Um, Once you start adding on two or three friends, I would encourage you just to meet over coffee or wine or what have you, and just talk about why you're there, why you're doing what you're doing, and write that down. Because the why is so important, and it's really the core of that work. Um, and if you keep a loose plan that uh, sticks to those whys with your two or three friends, um, then you'll be okay. Um, now, if you are going to have more than two or three people, then I would look up that program. What was it that you mentioned? It started with a V. V M O S A. V M O S A. Google that <laughs> because you're gonna need uh, you're gonna accurate. need a formula. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be successful, if you, if you really are setting out to accomplish something. And I think that really segues well, Dahlia, to the next kind of area I wanted to talk to you about, which is um, prioritization. Um, you know, I think we are both passionate people. Uh, we can both see that there are a lot of changes that we would like to make in the world. Um, well, I would say in our communities in our cities, in our country, in the world, right? Maybe not necessarily in that order, but um, in terms of population and and direct impact. And uh, we were sharing in the coffee break that I personally, um, okay, let me tell you how this happened. (laughs) So I have an author that I really like. His name is Brandon Sanderson. And on his website, he has listed out all of the books that he intends to write in his lifetime. Like, I don't know how old he is, but all of the books are connected. He has like a master outline. And I took that idea and I thought, well, okay, what are, you know, in this universe of problems and out of this desire to kind of make the world a better place, you know, what are the problems that I would like to help solve? And how many of those am I realistically able to get to, um, at some level? You know, again, community, city, uh, state, country, um, within that given time frame, and uh, then like, how do those rank, right? And I wish I could tell you that I'm organized enough to have an actual list, but <laughs> but I have a mental, it's like a mental rubric. When someone comes to me um, with a problem, I'm like. You know, how much time and energy am I really able to put into um, solving this problem? And sometimes it's just donating money, right? Um, sometimes it's referring someone to someone else. Um, and then I'm, I'm guessing for you, sometimes it's uh, creating an organization or <laughs> supporting an organization to, uh, to help in that area. So how do you... Uh, determine, like, the links that you'll go to to support a cause or a need?
1: So I will start off by saying um, I have a note on my phone how to say no, mm. because I do, similar to what you said, care about a lot of issues, and I also can empathize with issues that I wasn't aware of before but should be when someone comes to me with that. So, I, But I can't my life is not endless and i can my right. day is not endless so i have to myself often recognize that and need to sit down with myself and, and recognize that i can not solve all the problems um so but saying no doesn't mean just no but saying no in a way that's still so helpful to them so referring them to this or that or a grant or people or uh, top tips or a great podcast about how to whatever they want to do mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't mean necessarily saying no completely but having trying to support them still with their costs, and then eventually there are things to actually get down and, and do the hard work so for me um i don't i, I told you in the coffee break also i think there's a lot to learn from you on that because um i don't do it systematically in, in, in the sense of like okay there's an issue i need to sit down and think if, if i want to give my time to this necessarily it's often a bit of a feeling i do have some set um points for example relevance mm-hmm. impact I, I'm very impact, need-based approach with an impact-oriented mind. So the impact is important to me and the impact doesn't need to be headlines all over the world, the impact must be measured and must be acknowledged in some way. Yeah. But if something doesn't have, if the outcome impact is not something I would is, think is relevant, then it's not a cost for me. Um, and then the other part definitely and I is realistic and sustainability. So realist, it has to be a realistic goal in terms of um, it, has, it can be a step on the ladder. It can also be the full ladder at once. Yeah. But if it's not realistic, it's not, gonna, it's not going to be successful. And it's not going to be empowering for others or myself. So some part of realistic is important. And then um, especially with building NGOs, but also in general, sustainability is relevant. If, if I'm not there, it should work. And, and the goal is, it doesn't mean, <laughs> yes. I mean, it, it, it sounds, but the goal of whatever activism I want to do also, it should work without me in terms of, I love to invest in others. I love to, I take the time and that's something I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, just this morning, I had a, a half an hour every early morning call um, with someone I invest my time in as a future, young young future leader. Yes. Um, and yeah, and that's something I believe in is, is people invested in me. And I and hope so will invest in me and giving me advice and whatever. But I also, the best way forward is, but with your time is to share your knowledge and share your experience and empower others. So ment- mentorship might yes. be a pro- program for that. Maybe, maybe not necessarily a fully professional mentorship program, <laughs> but, but. Um, definitely investing in others, and that's that's a way to give, and that's a way to prioritize also to say, okay, listen, I um, can't help you in building this institution, but I can help you to have the skills to build yourself. So that would be something um, I would like to do even more. However, also there there are more people that I would like to invest in than I have the time. So <laughs> I will admit that I'm very far away from having a great system of... of uh, saying this is how you should prioritize, or this is how Certainly. you Certainly. absolutely not. I, I think it's part of passionate political activist people that you are just hooked. And if something, if a cause or a person or an organization, not only presents well to you, it's just sometimes there's a hook, and you're just like, yes, I, I need to give time and energy or or money donate or whatever. It's just it's a feeling of okay, this is something I need to do, and the more adult way maybe or strategic way it would be to sit down and, and go through the list of, of points that I mentioned um, but I'm personally not necessarily there yet I just decide
0: you mentioned mentorship and as it so happens um, at least as of right now our episode on mentorship which I believe is episode six is the most popular um, episode of the podcast yes And so I wonder, um, where in your journey do you really notice that um, a mentor mentor came in? Because we've gone through a lot of your life, right? There was (laughs) (laughs) up to sixth grade, where you first got to vote, then um, through school, and now into your professional journey, and um, at least through that episode. I know there could be different mentors at different stages. Um, But if you had one mentor memory of maybe someone who invested in you, um, I would, I think uh, we'd love to hear it.
1: I have multiple, I I do have an actual mentorship, so I am a mentee, I have a mentor, and I do think um, that's one of the most relevant uh, things, not to do, but to engage in as, Mm -hmm. as a young professional, I find it very helpful um, on a personal but really also professional level to have a mentor to uh, that is not connected to your organization or your workplace but outside and, and has a different view on it, maybe is connected to, connected to you somehow, obviously. And I also, um, by, by my experience at least, we rec- can recommend um, gender plays a role, what you in the US call race, which is not a term in Germany anymore, it's not allowed really. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's being outlawed as we speak, more oh, or less. Interesting. It's good though, because I'll it Google has a different that. background. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, but but race and gender and and besides political views make play a role in in your mentorship yeah. besides the professional work of this person. Um, so, mentor moments that I remember definitely was I went to Jewish summer camps as a kid and one and and one of my. Gold's uh, really almost always like I want to be a, a camp leader myself I, oh. and I still I did it for many many years and it was definitely an empowering experience for weeks and weeks and to prepare very in, in, intense uh, programs for young adults and, and still love this work and it's very very important especially for Jewish identity and Jewish political activism today it's really the foundation hmm. uh, in, in Germany I can speak in, in Europe also in general and there um, there was a person hmm. Uh, that early on gave me the confidence that um, I was always a very active kid and, and engaged and interested in volunteering and yeah. just because I wanted to. And sometimes I would say some more more lazy uh, adults were like, what is she up to? And I'm like, no, nothing. I just, I'm interested. I don't know, I just, I, I'm, I'm up, I'm, I have time, why not? Um, and this person was very helpful in saying, um, cherish your energy. And that's something I really, along the way, this I don't even think it was meant as a mentor session, but a moment of cherish your energy because it does where you're at, your energy is special to you and it's probably special maybe to others. But if you can use it the way you want to, yeah. then uh, it makes a lot, a big difference in your life. So that was definitely a, a moment because I also looked up to this person.
0: <laughs> it's like, yeah,
1: this person was a great camp leader. And I thought, wow. If I can be so cool at some point in my life, then. Oh, that's beautiful. It. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely one. And then, yeah, that's, that's one, one mentorship moment. I can absolutely recommend looking into uh, finding a mentor. And there's so many great programs out there of, of mm-hmm. matching people, or if not look in their network or look, ask other people you, uh, if they can recommend someone, I've not yet, I've yet to meet someone who tried to find a mentor and didn't find one.
0: Oh, that's wonderful thank you for that Uh, i know that was a that was a little off script so i appreciate um you taking the time and answering that question in such a beautiful way cherish your energy that's a good that's a good takeaway um well um i think that you will have a lengthier answer to this next question than most people um have so far um a lot of times i we like i like to close asking how we can support you or an organization that you support, and uh, sometimes people are like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and I am going to bet my next cup of coffee that you've got a good response to this one. So Dahlia, how can someone listening or watching support you in your anti-hate work um, or an organization that you support?
1: Ooh, now it's like picking from your favorite child. Uh, (laughs) So I would say the first way to support a cause or a person or whatever it is you're supporting is uh, in a free way by signing on, uh, for example, the ADL International Affairs Newsletter Mm -hmm. and to get engaged with the topics of anti-Semitism in in the global world, really in our world completely, and anti-Semitism Mm -hmm. uh, in Europe specifically for, for our sake, um that's that's one that i would say is free it, it informs it's really important to know first of all because before you act you need to know So mm-hmm. that's one um then the other way is definitely get out of your bubble so if yes. my favorite thing to ask people if what can i do to have fight my own biases is look at your twitter your instagram your facebook tiktok whatever it is you use as, as a social media every day more or less every day and if the people that you see on the screen all look like you and have the story that you have and are saying the same thing that you are saying, maybe you should tweak it in terms of actively looking for different backgrounds, different storylines, different experiences. And by that I don't yeah. mean follow white supremacists. I don't absolutely no. not. <laughs> no. I, I, absolutely not. I just mean look a bit a bit out of your bubble, get yeah. out of your bubble and follow um follow people who have interesting stories that you might not be aware of having different differently able body, um different yes. Different cultural, ethnic background, and listen to what their life realities are. Because I bet my cup of of coffee that you will not only enjoy it, but you will learn from it, and you yourself will grow from it in in terms of identity building, value building for Mm -hmm. yourself. And you will love it. So that's definitely um, my 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 go getter for that is get out of your bubble and follow people who don't who are not exactly like you on uh, social media, and then attend those events uh, if they recommend podcasts or uh, if they recommend a book give it a try and yeah. i would bet definitely that most people would be positively surprised and obviously uh, it wouldn't be an american based podcast across the pond philanthropy wise if you have too much money or not even too much if you have money left over obviously give to adl specifically international affairs give to the jewish student union in germany give to give to kesha germany if you resonate with any of those three organizations I would highly appreciate, obviously, or those organizations would appreciate your your contribution, but I don't think contribution and support is, is financial only. I really think it starts with, as I said in the beginning, it starts with yourself, with your dinner table, with using the resources these organizations put out, um, check out the website. There's so many interesting resources and yeah, looking forward to get out of my bubble maybe a bit more after this again and, and rework my feed maybe.
0: This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for DMing us out of the blue <laughs> and, <laughs> and coming on um, in, the after- in your afternoon, in my early morning um, and really starting my day off right and for sharing your insights and your work with our community. Um, it's been a- an incredible treat, I think. Thank you so much. I
1: feel exactly the same. This was a very enlightening uh, conversation with you, and I learned, as I said, I really learned from you again. And I hope um, to look back at this episode and and then grow from that. And love to thank you for inviting me and being part of this. Um, I was looking for a great new podcast, and I think I found one. So, oh, that's so sweet. Forward lady. to the other episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, next week, uh, your friend Josh. Um, I think we'll be on. So uh, fingers crossed I'm- that we get that.
1: Whom I met through political
0: activism. Oh, really? Oh, I will have to ask him about it. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. I'll see you next time. Thank you. Yay! That was fantastic. Thank you for joining in the conversation today. If you would like exclusive access to live streams of these conversations, if you want to hear what goes on during the coffee breaks or if you'd like to join a community of people who help to make this podcast possible, then please join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash Coffee. Bottomless Coffee podcast is produced by me, Jerome Evans, on social media everywhere as at Jerome T. Evans. Our Patreon producers are listed in the episode description. You can connect with the podcast on Instagram at at Bottomless Coffee Podcast. Our music is by Noir et Blanc V and God Mode. Thanks all. And I'll see you next time.